grit for the day. Lived experience from influencers who overcome with CEO and founder Thomas Lee Johnson. Um, my son was born uh, two months premature, was three pounds, 13 ounces when he was born. And um, things were, you know, they were a little, they were scary. Although many children survive uh, being premature, uh, you know, even more premature, actually even have a, have a godson who was half that size um, and born whole another four to six weeks prior to that and is thriving. So again, he was also someone whose birth gave me encouragement that, hey, he made it, he turned out okay. He was in a much more delicate situation than my son. Um, but uh, here we are two years later um, and almost you know, three years later from when we found out he was even on his way. Uh, and it uh, seems like it was just yesterday, but it's been a it's it's been a long journey. But it was um, it was very very trying. It'll, it'll challenge your marriage. It'll challenge your um, your faith, your attitude, your uh, uh, you know how well you stay encouraged and and uh, supportive. Of, of your wife, although you got your own <laughs> feelings. And uh... Welcome to Grit for the Day. This is your host, Thomas Lee, TJ Johnson. With me today is actor, educator, activist, and entrepreneur, Lamont Rucker. Lamont Rucker currently stars in BET Plus series, Black Hamptons. You would also see him on Queen Sugar uh, on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Uh, he also collaborated with Paula Patton and Sacrifice on BET+. Plus. Uh, you also know him from uh, the Greenleaf, uh, the uh, Oprah Winfrey Network hit show, Greenleaf, as Jacob Greenleaf. I could go on. His, his, his resume is extensive. He's been acting uh, and working as an activist and entrepreneur now for the last two decades. He is a marvelous human being, and I get to call him friend. So, uh, Lamont, welcome to Grit for the Day. I appreciate you, my brother. Glad to be here. Excellent. So, you know, today's episode is Grit to be Born. And I think you have a really interesting story about how your son came to be in your family. Yeah, I do. And, um, and, you know, you, you've been a part of this, not only this conversation, but you were, um, a part of that journey from, from the beginning. And so you, uh, you have a, and then you have your own perspective. On it. And, uh, so my son's journey here was, um, was linked um, to myself, at least to say, I don't always think there's much support, especially not much emotional, even spiritual support for the men and for the fathers through this process. So I think it's even tougher for us. Yes. In this, even though it's not our bodies, right. um, our bodies still are responding, our emotions, our spirit, everything is still so connected, not only to the child who is also a part of us and also stems from us. Yes. Right. So this woman that you're connected to and devoted to, um, everything that she's going through, 
impacts you too. Awesome. What you mentioned um, the support that you you and I both agree is lacking for men who have you know infants in the NICU uh, or who have um, fertility issues, which is which is my story, uh, which I'll tell in just a moment. Um, if you could do anything and or suggest anything to men who find themselves uh, in the NICU or, or maybe their brother or uncle or, or friend is, is in the NICU, what would you suggest to them um, about just that scenario and what got you through? What was, what was how did you overcome? Really, it was my relationships with with other men who understood, who had been through the through the journey. Um, it's 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 also speaking up for yourself and sometimes speaking up for other men. For example, I'll never forget um, asking, being asked for feedback on, I, you know, they probably meant more about the quality of care that I was, that, that we were getting, right? And I'm sure most men, and if they got something to say, they're like, yeah, I appreciate the way you're treating my wife, or they keep doing this, or they keep poking her with this, or feeding her this, or waking her up in the middle of the night to test this or that. But what I actually had to say was more connected to um, what I thought the in- entire environment lacked with regard to its inclusion of men and its inclusion of the father and its support for um, for men and fathers. For example, one very obvious, that I thought was obvious, is that all of the photos around the entire mother-baby, you know, um, board and throughout the NICU, if they weren't just of a baby, it was only, like I said, a mother and the baby only one parent okay so even if it's the daddy it was only one parent and the little baby elephant right <laughs> something a little baby here or a little baby you know lion uh, or something so i'm like where's where's the daddy like why why are all of why is throughout this entire ward of the hospital it's and i don't know if it's subconscious and I get being pro-mother and child, nothing wrong with that. Of course, absolutely not. But there's also something about that that I think is disjointed because it literally, almost seemingly intentionally, removes the father from the image, from the equation, from the process of care, from the communication half the time. They don't, if they're talking to you about something, they're only talking to you about something that is really that they've already told her first, as opposed to it being them talking to you together or talking to you as if you're just as qualified to make decisions or to... So sometimes it's, you know, they didn't... I didn't really feel like people were dismissive toward me, but I've definitely heard stories of me feeling like, wait a minute, um, hello, I'm standing right here. You're talking to her, but you're not talking to us, you know? Um, so what's helpful is to talk to other men um, who have been through this. How did they navigate? Um, how did they advocate 
for themselves? How did they speak up? How did they make sure that they inserted themselves in certain ways, not just were assertive, but inserted themselves to say, hey, if you're going to do something with her or to her, I'm coming with you. If you if there's something that's going to happen with her, I would, you know, please talk to me and let me know what that is as well. And I have to ask for my permission, but talk to us, you know, any nurses that came in and out of the room. I might be right there, but they'll say hi to her, greet her, you know, treat her and then leave the room. Like, hello, you'll see me sitting over here, at least say hi. You know, even if it's just hi dad or hi Mr. Rucker or, you know, like congratulations to both of you. So there's just certain in in their habit that I felt needed to be brought to their attention. Um and so again, there's so many other things that I could label and list with regard to how hospitals work and function that could um, you know, could beg to to change and improve. But again, more specifically, what helps is having a good circle of brothers and men, um, elders. I've even got, you know, a nephew who's who beat me to fatherhood, <laughs> you know. Um, so talking to my, 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 my young fathers as well as to my, my not, not only to my peers, but young fathers and then elders on what some of these emotions are, what some of these feelings are, what some of these patterns are. Or, and I luckily, just from my own experience and my own personality, have learned not to take things personally. You know, I've learned certain things that are just institutional processes and ways of doing things and ways of doing business. Um, and that's just how people are doing things. It really is no reflection upon you and it's not about you in any way so just learning what other people's systems are trying to find a way to help them do what they're trying to do yeah. to the best of their ability and ask that to the environment is what helps as opposed to being somebody who looking like every time you're there you're ready to pick a fight or you're looking for something that's wrong or looking for something that doesn't include you no hey how can I help alright we're all here to support the mother and the baby well, take yeah, take us take us back to the moment that first moment that you saw him at three pounds, thirteen ounces. You know what was going through your heart and your mind as you saw your son there, actually in the flesh. I think just the the, the strength, the power, the resilience of of children. Um, you know, we heard some really interesting stories, not only about him, um, so much about him, but even about other babies and other children when it comes to their capacity to fight, um, to fight for their own survival. He luckily was not at death's door or anything. He didn't, he ended up not having any illnesses. He didn't have any setbacks in any way. He wasn't struggling to breathe. His lungs were, were working great. His heart was, you know, um, was working great. Um, matter of fact, they were giving him, uh, you know, supporting him with oxygen. And like by the next day, he had already snatched those tubes out of his, out of his face. You know, was like, I'm good. Leave me, like, get this, you know, get this away from me. You know, get this out of my face. So, again, there was, he was already showing us and showing up. And trust me, now that these two, it's still very much the same. That there's a, even now, you'll say, like, 
you know, get off me, you know, <laughs> get off. He just kind of, you know, change, changing. And he's like, get off me, get off me. So there's this, there's this defiance about him um, that showed up r- right away. Um, and it's something that's very consistent in my family. So, of course, my mom and dad just laughed because they were like, yeah, we know that kid. You know, <laughs> um, and I'm the oldest three. And if you knew my parents, you could you definitely see that same spirit. So that's part of what he showed me right away was that, yeah, this is your child, right? Yeah. Um, he also showed me a way that, again, like I said, the strength and power and resilience of these teeny weeny little beings is already so um, massive and so significant and so profound um, that it teaches you, again, it's like that little mustard seed idea or whatever. Even in this teeny weeny little package, there's still um, this, 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 you know, might, right? This, this um, magnificence, this, this power that cannot be denied. And if, uh, if all of us can maintain that and go back to that and remember that, um, I think that's a lesson. That's just one of the many lessons that our, um, that our children teach it. In 18, after my second son uh, with Amanda, my wife was born, she immediately wanted a third. And, you know, four years uh, ago, uh, after having two babies 16 months apart, I was done. I, I, I didn't want any more babies because babies equal no sleep. Uh, any parent knows that, uh, <laughs> you know, at least for a little bit. So when she wanted children, I didn't. And for years, she just prayed and prayed and prayed till finally in 2021, I did. And we tried for a year without success. We went so far as to go to, I, I think, you know, we, we, we thought about the IVF route, in vitro fertilization and all the other things. We thought about it. So we went to the fertility clinic. Yeah, uh, we went to the fertility clinic February 4th of 2022, February 4th of this year. And February 4th, they gave us a, a report and it said, TJ, you got 3% chance of, you know, going anywhere and all your swimmers are swimming in, in a circle. So you don't have much of a chance for a natural birth, you know, 3% swimming in a circle. And for my wife, she had 0% uh, embryos that were viable for pregnancy. So, uh, or 0% eggs that were viable for pregnancy. So, you know, that news devastated my wife. And in the moment of her devastation, I mean, she cried for days. In that moment, tenderness, which I need to learn evermore, is where I had to find myself relating to my wife and to my, my, my two current kids, you know? I had to learn more intimacy with emotional availability, giving of myself when it's not clear what the outcome is, when it's uncertain what the next step is. But I'm going to tell you, connecting with my wife in that moment when we were uncertain and when it, it didn't look like a very good option for the path forward 
it changed our life because flash forward March 11th. So what is that? 37 days later, we find out we're pregnant. <laughs> and I believe those things are connected. I honestly do. I believe one of the jobs of a parent is to create the environment for the child to come. And I think um, one of the best things that we can do are practice the things that you're talking about. And the more we practice that and the more we put the energy into you know, the home and into this person, this wonderful woman that we love, that, we, that we've chosen and that's chosen us and that you know, we're now um, in partnership with, right? Like in, in the commitment with, it's like the more you do that and sincerely, right? And from a pure place without motive and, and, and so forth, like I think that creates an energy. I believe it even does something biochemically to, to us all that allows the body to, um, you know, to, to, for lack of a better word, heal itself or, mm -hmm. you know, elicit this happening that may not have seen, you know, right to modern medicine or you know, right European medicine that no, this isn't going to happen. Well, it reminds you that birth is a miracle. First of all, yes. people take it But when you realize how many things have to go right, yes, right, yes, in order for the event, you know, to happen, um, even the resilience of that child to say, well, all these other baby moms might not make it. All these other sperm ain't, ain't, ain't you know, ain't ready. But I'm ready. You know, I'm here. So you know, these kids who are here and who have shown up, um, yeah, you know, it's not a chance. Uh, I do think it's by choice. It's by their choice. Yes. By God's vision. Yes. Know, and us putting ourselves in position to say, this is what we choose to do. This is what we believe is possible no matter what. And if we do the work that's necessary to prepare, you know, uh, for it, prepare ourselves and prepare the environment, prepare our lives for it, um, you know, it can happen. It will happen. You know, uh, but, you know, he, he said, you know, my, my middle name is Lee. So my family would call me Lee. He would say, Lee, can't nobody be you but you. <laughs> now, that's that's kind of a, a street level way of saying be your yeah. own, be your own man. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and you don't do it. Can't nobody do it for you. What lessons did your father impart to you that you know you must impart to your son? Um, it's just the importance of, of accountability. Of, um, and with that, I think a lot of things fall under that. That's self-discipline, it's self-control, it's um, self-respect, it's self-love, it's, you know, and I think by doing that, um, not only are there a lot of lessons to be learned, but I believe your walk in life is, is, you know, 
one of the major things that I consider the walk of a, of a true man, which is being able to stand up straight um, and um, be in your own truth. But that's just the thing. It's the, it's the truth. Tell the truth. Accept the truth. Uh, don't lie to people. Don't accept people's lies towards you. When pe- if somebody even, you know, um, again, live in the strength and power and dignity of your name, you know, um, it's, it's connected to what you're talking about. Be you, be your own person. And if somebody tries to talk you out of that or even call you out of that, they're not talking to you, right? So the accountability is you being accountable to yourself, to who you are, to who you know yourself to be, believe yourself to be, how you've been raised, right? People that you're accountable to, you know, uh, from God all the way down to your family and your ancestors and even those children get to be born, as right? It's, it's, it's about walking tall, walking straight, and, and, and standing up in it. That's, that's the good things and the bad. Standing up in your success and being ashamed of your achievement, but it's also standing up in your, um, your, your faults and your um, mistakes um, at the same time, not being ashamed of them, right? Um, so for me, that's the kind of thing, that's the lesson. It's those types of principles that are, uh, that I think are highly, highly important. And to me, that's one of the major things that separates the men from the boys. Because I think Absolutely. of all ages, and um, one of the biggest signs for me of, and my judgment of whether or not a man is worth his medal and definitely whether he's worth my respect or will maintain my respect or admiration or whether I would want to do deal with him in any way personally or professionally is whether he has the strength and, and the power and the presence and the principle to be a man of accountability. And if he cannot, if he does not or will not, I, you know, not you know, not the kind of energy and not the kind of person I, I feel like I could trust or would want to be around. You know, and the same goes for women. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know what? When you when you spoke of our ancestors, I couldn't help but think about how I want to close this particular conversation, and that is by talking about Paul Robeson and what he means, who he is to us, uh, just as brothers who admire him and, and fans. You know, Paul Robeson lived his life as an artist, an activist, uh, someone who was both an orator, a singer, and an agitator, <laughs> who, wa- who, who not only wanted a better life for him, himself, and his, his wife and his son, but he demanded that life and that truth of the world, specifically the United States of America, in the moment that he lived. What would you say Paul Robeson would say to you and your son and talk about fatherhood from that perspective? I would hope that he would say, you know, Good job, you, you know, you're, you're, I, I like what you're trying to do. I see what you're trying to do. Even if it's not about approval, it's, it's I believe he would be encouraging. Um, 
and I believe and I hope that he would see the the good things that are being done, strong foundations and the, um, you know the, the the path that we're trying to not only lay out but empower our son to to pave for himself, right? Um, uh, or again, as I like to say, my job is to build the foundation, but what you build on top of that is is your responsibility, you know? Um, exactly. And then, uh, you know, but I've got to give you a strong foundation to build that, uh, you know, upon. That's my, that's my duty. Otherwise, it's shaky and it's all just, you know, fancy windows and, you know, uh, and facades, right? Um, so I would think he would also probably and hopefully admit to some of his own uh, challenges and, you know, and, and I'll say shortcomings as a father and husband, I think he um, would be transparent about that. That was a big challenge for him. Um, and I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned and lessons to be taught by him as a result. And I would love for him to be sharing that with me to say, hey, look here, you know, uh, grandson, right? Great grandson. <laughs> that they're also going to inherit 
and you need to be prepared for that, you know, too, and equipped, you know, with that too. So, um, so this is this this is an exciting, you know, it's an exciting time, and it's uh, it, it will always be a delicate, you know, time because every day we love and worry about, you know, um, our wives and our children. Um, at the same time, the vision that we have for them, hopefully. Um, hopefully doesn't exceed the vision that they will have for themselves. You know, we always want to lift up our children, you know, higher than us. That's right. I think that's the job of every generation, you know, is that it's elevated, but that child has to do the work, you know? Right. Um, So ideally they love and respect us enough to say, "Uh uh-uh, my my father broke his neck and, and sacrificed and loved me, you know, dearly. You know, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that, you know, I do um, I do him justice and do this family legacy justice by by building on top of what my father built for me. That's what that's right. That's what I hope and believe the duty of every child is, too. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for you because you, you got you got three of them that, you know, <laughs> You got you got three times three at least, right? Um, and then, and then whatever other additional exponential, you know, joy and and, and possibility in front of you. So it's going to be phenomenal to see what these three boys become, what they do yeah. with you and for your family. So I'm incredibly excited for you. Congratulations, yeah. brother! I appreciate that. Um, I really do. This is your brother, Lamont Rucker, and you are watching Grit for the Day. Grit for the Day. Lived experience from influencers who overcome. With CEO and founder, Thomas Lee Johnson.